I'm your host, Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth, and to no one's surprise, uh, you still came away with a resounding win, a dominating win. Uh, we will get more into that later, but just know they're at a 2-1 on the season. Uh, the, the best start in uh, two, three, four years, probably have a look at the records, but definitely off to a much better start, but as always... We're going to start off with other UCLA news, and we have some big news from the UCLA soccer program. Head coach Mike Cook secured his 400th career win in a 6 nothing win over East Central on a Wednesday. Uh, this is his in his 22nd season. He's just the second active Division II coach with 400 wins. So to coach Mike Cook, I, I congratulate him. He has produced top-notch soccer. Uh, if you have not seen these young ladies play, I encourage you to do so. They, they are, they're really good. Uh, they're 4-0-2 on the, on the season so far. Uh, just a very solid, solid program there from head coach Mike Cook. Uh, they beat rival Northeastern State 2-1 on Friday. And on Sunday, finished with a 0-0 tie against Newman. So still undefeated. So undefeated, and I suspect another strong season from the UCO soccer program. So again, uh, to head coach Mike Cook, the Cho Show, and SwallReport.com, want to congratulate you on your 400th win. That is a huge milestone, and I, I wish you much success moving forward. Uh, volleyball moved to 9-3 on the season with a 3-0 win over Newman. Uh, they traveled to Fort Hayes. On Friday in Nebraska Kearney on Saturday, so busy weekend for head coach Edgar Mericu at volleyball team. Hopefully they can get wins in both those games. Uh, boys golf 
is in action um, Monday and Tuesday at the Missouri Southern Invitational. And the girls' golf is in action Tuesday and Wednesday at the Mr. Kearney Invitational. So, wishing both of them uh, much luck in their respective tournaments. Um, in other football-related news, Seth Carmack was named Lifter of the Week last week. And Mason Roberts was named Red Shirt Lifter of the Week as well. So, uh, big props to those guys for getting it done in the weight room now. That is out the way. We're moving into the main entree of the podcast, and that is UCO football. And if you were one of the 3,600 people plus in attendance, you would have witnessed perhaps uh, it, it was it was it was what we expect, <clears throat> excuse me. it was what we all expected to have happen here. I mean, I don't think it was a surprise uh, to see the final score. Which was 63 to nothing. Now, what is surprising is, and I got this this note here from my man Chris Brandt. Um, the first UCL football game played at Wall Stadium was September 18, 1965. The largest margin of victory in a game played at Wall Stadium was September 21st, 2019. Now, that would have been Saturday, and Saturday UCO. Defeated Lincoln 63 to nothing. Now, let me tell you, it was exactly what we were hoping for. Uh, when we came on here last week, we mentioned that we were looking to see uh, a quick start. Uh, hopefully, by halftime, the game would be well at hand and that we could get a lot of the backups and young guys playing. All three of those things were accomplished. Now, it must be noted here that Will Collins, apparently Will Collins suffered a concussion late in the Kearney game. So Keats Calhoun, who I mentioned here before, was his starter for the first three games last season, got the start, did not disappoint. We'll get into his numbers here shortly. Uh, did not disappoint, uh, showing why, again, he was started last year. Um, Tyrone Howe, Tyrone Howe, the one that had to be touched on last week, He's battling shoulder injuries, so he was also out, uh, as was Dante McGee, the H-back from UConn. Now, that being said, uh, with a dominating win, uh, we will hear from Coach Bobek later in this in the uh, in the uh, press conference clips, but below, if you wish to listen to the near seven-minute full press conference with uh, me and my man James D. Jackson, editor and chief of the Vista, I was told... Um, by Mr. James D. Jackson that, uh, you know, that I need to include the D in there because there are many James Jackson. So for the second week in a row, I will issue a correction to Mr. James D. Jackson, Editor-in-Chief of the Vista. Now, that being said, uh, Mr. James D. Jackson and I witnessed, uh, again, a very solid game, I would say, from start to finish, probably the most complete performance. Um, you know, it's obviously nice to, to pitch a shutout here. Uh, the defense definitely did their job holding Lincoln to a whopping 198 yards of offense on uh, 66 plays. So uh, the defense, which is actually the number one scoring defense in the conference at 20 points a game so far, uh, Russ Pickett and his unit, again, did a spectacular job. 
uh, as they always do. Now, getting into the box score here, the first touchdown came uh, after an opening draft stop. Taj Griffin, the Oregon transfer, on a 42-yard touchdown pass. Now, it, it, it's one of these passes, I know you've seen it before, where a man will come in motion, uh, the quarterback will hike it, and essentially kind of, was the, not like a toss, it's kind of like a two-hand toss. It's not. A, it's not a shovel, but you, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of just flip it to the guy. Anyways, uh, it was one of those, and he took it 42 yards for a touchdown to give Yusho a quick seven-nothing lead. Now, Thomas Griffin did fumble the ball twice uh, on the day, which was, which was kind of concerning because you saw in that touchdown. The explosiveness, as a matter of fact, he ended up leading the team in receiving yards. So that's to you right there. But the ball security is an issue that must be addressed. Uh, that was the only score of the first quarter. Uh, now, again, at that point, we were kind of concerned because you would have liked to have gotten more points on the board. Now, it must be noted on that second drive, however, uh, was one of the one of the fumbles did occur, um, and if we're looking here, Kearney, I mean not Kearney, Lincoln held the ball for eight minutes, fifty-two seconds of that quarter when he should only had the ball for about six minutes. So uh, again, early on, uh, even though Lincoln was one of five on third downs. You're one of four on fourth in the first quarter. Uh, but again, uh, you know, it, it just one of those where the defense, while not giving up the big plays, uh, they, they they weren't that we're not getting off the field early on. And that obviously changed as the game went on. Um but in any case, uh Lincoln did have a chance late in that first quarter to actually get points on the scoreboard. They missed the field goal. They missed the field goal. And what happened was it was it was from about 42, 45 yards, somewhere in between that range. Uh, they had originally agreed to go for it. They called a timeout. Uh, they put the kicker out there uh, and they missed the field goal. Uh, it, it, it had to, it was just a little bit short. It bounced off the bottom crossbar. Um, and then they would get a stop, and then that is when the UCO defense uh, flexed their muscles with registered freshman linebacker Marlo Hughes Jr. from Enid. Now, that Marlo Hughes is the guy I mentioned last week in that current game in that first quarter. Had a solid performance, but I think three tackles, I think one TFL. Uh, he got a pick six, 55 yards. It, 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 was, it was really nice. Uh, the man threw the ball right to Marlo Hughes, but you but you, you you saw the speed. Now I mentioned when we when they signed Marlo Hughes, uh, he did run track at uh, at Enid, and remember he was playing some at safety in the spring. So he's a guy that clearly has some top level speed, and he showed it uh, outrunning everybody on the field for a touchdown. So at that point, it was fourteen nothing early in the second. Uh, then the offense would start. Chipping in a 30-yard touchdown pass to Mikhail Hall. Then a five-yard touchdown pass to Josh Moore. Now, um, Peyton Scott. Peyton Scott late. Redshirt freshman. 
from Sand Springs, the former Oklahoma Gatorade Player of the Year. Made a big special teams play, and again, I want to do kudos here uh, to special team coordinator Tyler Holland. Uh, his unit again did a, did a fantastic job. This time he, he blocked the punt. Now, unfortunately, the ball did not bounce forward. If the ball bounced forward, I, I am under the belief that he could have picked it up and ran for a touchdown. It bounced backwards. He was able to, uh, to recover it. UCL was able to score shortly after that, uh, I believe on a four-yard touchdown run from TJ Roberts to give UCL a 35-0 lead heading into the locker room. Second half came out much as uh, much not much surprise. UCL scored again on uh, a five-yard TJ Roberts touchdown run. That was the only score of the third. Then in the fourth, uh, Isaiah Jackson on that four-yard touchdown pass. Uh, we have another touchdown that I'm going to save this one for um, for a little later on the podcast. This is a man that is near and dear to my heart. If you were at the game, uh, you know who it was. When he scored, Mr. James D. Jackson was like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sitting some bias. And yes, I am. I'm really biased toward this man. Uh, I'm a huge fan of said man, and uh, shortly here you will know who I am, who I am. I'm discussing. And the final touchdown came uh, from a 21-yard pass from Trent Garrett to Diego Richards, the Richard uh, freshman from Carl Albert, his first career touchdown. So. Dominating performance, if we're looking at the game by the stand numbers, UCO 19 first downs, uh, Lincoln 11, UCO 223 yards on the ground, 37 carries, three touchdowns for a six yards to carry, Lincoln 175 on 51 carries, 3.4 yards to carry, Lincoln 23 passing yards on 4.15 interception, you must know that Lincoln at the half was all of nine passing with a pick six. So the secondary did their job. Uh, UCL passing 246 on 19 of 22 with five touchdowns. And total offense, UCL had 469 yards to Lincoln's 198. Now the, now the one the one thing here is it must be noted that Lincoln still wins seven more plays. And I believe they also won the time of possession battle. So that is something Coach mentioned in his in his opening uh, opening statement here. We did lose about about five minutes. Something that Coach did mention in his opening statement. And I'll go ahead and play that now, and I will give you my thoughts afterwards. Uh, it's good to play a full game. You know, I, I mean, I think uh, you know our kids were ready to play. Um, we didn't. Uh, there were some things in the first half that we weren't really happy with in the first quarter in particular, um, with time of possession and things like that. But uh, but overall, I was really proud of our kids. We played a lot of bodies tonight too, and uh, a lot of those old, you know, a lot of those guys that, that went in and played played pretty well, made plays and showed up. Uh, we'll see what it looks like on video tomorrow, but uh, I was I was really happy with. Them. Uh, so as Coach said, this was this is by far the most complete game that the Broncos have played so far. I think from start to finish, you, if you really look at it here, uh, minus the the two fumbles and the time possession battle, and you still pretty much 
dominated. And again, um, he mentioned this towards the end of the, of the press conference, but he mentioned how the team has improved every week. That That is a matter of fact, a very true statement. If you were to compare the Pitt State game to the Kearney game, uh, they look miles better against Kearney and then from Kearney into Lincoln also look miles better. So hopefully that trend will continue. Now he did mention some some young guys there uh, that got in the game. Um, there were a few. Tucker Pauly, registered freshman from, from Big Speed got his first career carry. Uh, Lane Grantham, the, uh, the the guard from, from from Westmore got in there. Uh, Jacob Sitzler got in there. Uh, Dylan Dylan Buckheit, uh, a guy that I watched closely in more high school. Hey, you have not seen more high school play here. Quick plug more high school. Uh, Moore has got some players. Uh, they, they're led by Kansas commit uh, quarterback Daniel Deuce Highshark Jr. They also have Marcus Moore at linebacker, Jace Gardner at running back. Uh, Cole Kern at defensive end, Cruz Garrett at linebacker, among many others. They are a very talented ball club. Uh, but but Dylan Buckheit last year, uh, I got to see him the past two years. Um, as Coach will tell you here, the very versatile guy. He made two big special teams tackles early on in that game. Uh, again, must credit to to, to uh, Tucker Holland, but um, I mean Tyler Holland, excuse me, Tyler Holland. Uh, but had two really really big tackles there to kind of pin Lincoln somewhat deep. Uh, he he got some reps at he, he got some reps at safety actually with the first teamers out there. So um, promising man, a, a, a very very promising promising talent. Uh, this is what Coach had to say about Dylan Buckeye. You know, he, he was one of the first kids. We have a buddy program within our program, you know, with, you know, in fall camp. Uh, he was one of the first kids that was, you know, they're assigned to an older player. And, and then O'Shea Harris was the guy that he was, that he was assigned to. And essentially, that's a mentoring program. And he was one of the first kids to have the stripe taken off of his helmet. You know, he's a he's a kid that, uh, you know, we really liked what he did coming out of high school. I mean, he played every position in high school. He was a, he was a quarterback. He played running back. He played defensive back. He played wide receiver. Uh, he did a lot of different things coming out of high school. And that's, that's really what we liked about him. And he's just continued it here. He's competitive. Um, I think that's the thing that kids have to understand when they come into a college program is when you're, when you're playing, some of these kids are, are 22, 23 years old, and when you're coming out of high school at 18, 19 years old, um, you better compete, you know, because you're, you're, you're not as physically strong as what they are, and they've been in the program, and uh, him. Uh, he, he's a true freshman. He played tonight. T. Rowe Roberts, true freshman, played tonight. Um, Lane Grantham, true freshman, has been playing. Um, got a lot of reps tonight. All those kids are going to be really good players. So there we go. It's looking like a very bright future for Dylan Buckheit and a lot of the other uh, young guys that got out there. Again, it was good to see because you obviously want to see what the future has in store. Uh, and it's, it's looking very promising. It's looking... It's looking very, very, very promising. I have mentioned when the signing day comes, 
came. They signed a really good class. Uh, a lot of guys that had D1 interest, D1 offers. And, and so I'm, I'm glad that they were able to get some playing time. I'm also glad that a lot of the guys are able to come in and from day one contribute here. Uh, Buckheimer was a fast riser. He was listed as a backup free safety on the on the depth chart, uh, which is extremely good for a true freshman. Uh, and, and so I'm I'm glad that they're getting that they're getting the rest. They should have opportunities at least two other times against Missouri Southern and Northeastern State this season. So hopefully it's not the last time we hear some of these names. Now I mentioned the special teams. Uh, again, Coach Tyler Holland's unit did a great job. Um, I mean, the, the coverage has, has, has been fantastic. Again, Ja'Cory Hunt last week made that big special teams tackle against uh, Kearney. Um, and then this week, you know, you had the block punt. Uh, and, and then again, you, you had the solid tackling. Uh, they, this, this is what Coach had to say about special teams. You, I mean, they just beside the football, guys are doing what they were supposed to do. I thought the punter really kicked the ball well. Um, you know, and he, he had two punts and he lit both of them up. I mean, he was he was good tonight. Uh, so I was proud of that. Um, and then, you know, obviously being able to get a pump block and, and give you a possession, you know, where you've got about two minutes left in the first half, you get another possession inside the – you know, inside the 20, and you're able to punch it in in a couple of plays. I thought that was really big. Uh, now, Coach mentioned the two punts by Jay Tedesco was the, the uh, three three punch. Averaged 51.7 yards a punt with one inside the 20, a long of 63. So you definitely like to see that right there by Jay Tedesco. But again, it is a, it's a, a, a complete game. A really complete game um, from them. Also, a complete game from Keats Calhoun. Again, I mentioned in the opening here, Keats filling in for an injured Will Collins. Keats again picked up right where he left off uh, 17 of 20 for 220 and three touchdowns. Uh, also added 10 yards on the ground. Now, again, Keats. He's again. He sported. He sported a, a a knee brace, I believe, on the on the, the injured leg that he injured last uh, uh, last season. But you could not tell. This was this was like vintage Keats Calhoun that we saw last season, and this is what Coach had to say about Keats' performance. And just being efficient. That's what Keats is. He's, he's efficient. You know. You know. The ball doesn't 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 come out the way that we want it to all the time. But Keats knows where to go with the ball. Um, he's smart. Uh, gets everybody in the right place. That's that's the thing. He and he and Chandler both do. Both of those kids do a really good job of getting everybody um, managing the football game. And um, when you're when you have explosive players like we do, I mean that's really all you have to do. And, and the explosives take care of them. So uh, there you go. And again, it's it's good to know that there's three quarterbacks on this team. Regardless who's out there that has won games and I believe can definitely lead this team to victory. Now, I know the suspense has been building. That's been building. I left out who scored the next to last touchdown in the game. I was saving it. I was saving it for last because, yes, there is some bias here, but I thought this man 
has really earned this moment. This is a man at running back that as a freshman was brought in as a wide receiver from East Central High School in Tulsa. Uh, that due to the litany of injuries and departures was the emergency running back behind Bruce White at that uh, at that at that point point in time. Red shirt this guy last year was buried behind um, Clay McKenzie and uh, oh geez uh, I had this uh, Clay McKenzie Clay McKenzie and I'm forgetting his name now uh, the Sanford transfer who is longer here but anyways he was third string he got some carries he had close to scoring against Missouri Southern he was close uh, he got to under at the three, and he got a carry, and he got bent awkwardly, and did not return in that in that game. Unfortunately, was not was not able to score there, and then was not able to score against North Northeastern State last year either. But this is a guy um, that coach will will talk about here. I was really excited to ask Coach mainly about him and Dylan Buckheit, but. My man, Mr. Sabor Daniels, got his first career touchdown at the 12-19 mark on a three-yard touchdown run after a couple of plays after a 45-yard run. I thought that he was close to break, breaking it, but the uh, the uh, Lincoln defender had a pretty good angle and forced him to the sideline. It looked as if he was not going to score to give it to him again. And then he needed a break, and then Chandler Garrett ran it, and then the quarter ended, and then Sable was able to come in, uh, was able to come in there and get the touchdown. And I'm gonna tell you, in the press box, I was I was happy for him. I don't know if Sable, if you are listening here, uh, congratulations, man. I that that is, I've been a huge fan of yours. I like the way you run. Um, you have not seen this man run. This man runs hard. Uh, really, every chance he gets. Um, uh, I, I know, I know. Coach will will, will, will uh, mention this here. Um, Sabor is a guy that when he scored, not only was it just a running back group that was that was happy for him, but the whole team was. And this is what Coach had to say about uh, Sabor Daniels, a little bit about Tucker Paul, who also got his first. Two career kids. Both are great kids. Both those kids are, are great kids. They both work really hard in practice. You know, Sabor didn't get to travel last week because he had a little bit of swelling in his knees, so we didn't travel in last week. So uh, he would have, you know, he, he's a kid that's gotten regular carries. I mean, he's our leading rusher coming back from last year, you know. But uh, uh, so we're, we're, you know, he's a, he's a great kid and he, he works hard. He's on every special team. Um, he earns his carries. There's no question about that. And, and then same thing with Tucker Paul, a young kid. Um, you know, second year in the program. Those were his first first true game reps. And those kids want to play hard. They did a good job. So there we go. But you know, it, it's, it's, it's players like Sabor really, really have an impact. You know, those, those guys that are that are willing, you know, to really do anything to help the team out. Those are guys. That I feel like can kind of go under the radar among the stars, uh, but there's guys like him that are that are also really important uh, to the success 
uh, other teams throughout the season. So again, Sybil Daniels, uh, to Sybil Daniels and to Diego Richards, who also received his first career touchdown. Uh, I wish them much congratulations on that because I know how big that is uh, to get your first collegiate scores. Um, regardless on when it when it when it occurred. Now before we wrap it up here, um, the first tackle. I'm not gonna pronounce his name because I will butcher it. He, he, man, he goes by KK. He injured his shoulder in the third and did not return. Hopefully, it's not too too bad. Um, so I'm not sure on the status of Will Collins at the moment or Tyrone Howe or Dante Gee. Um, and it must be noted here too for Lincoln. I, I'm wishing the best of speedy recovery. Hopefully, it's not too bad to their running back, uh, Hosea Franklin, who is the leading rusher. Uh, who is the leading rusher in the MIAA for some reason? You know, I, I didn't understand this move for some reason. It was about four minutes to go in the game, uh, they're down by nine touchdowns. They put him back in there, and he gets he gets tackled in the in the pile, and they had to help him off the field. Now, hopefully, there's nothing too too bad. Um, again, the man is having a great season so far. He even had leads about 74 yards, yeah, 73 yards uh, against against UCO. Clearly, the best player they have, and it's so all hoping he's not injured too too bad. I'm not quite sure why. They put him back in the game at that point in time, but I was again a uh, very speedy recovery. And I must know the two Lincoln also had a rousing crowd of 22 fans. So wishing, um, so you know, again, it was not a surprising outcome. Uh, it was a good outcome if you're if you're a Broncos fan. Um, you got to saw again a lot of guys. Um, you got to see some, obviously at first, you got, you, got, you got to see the biggest margin of victory at Wildwood Stadium. You got to see the first career touchdowns of Diego Richards and my man Sable Daniels. Uh, you just got to see an all-around complete football game. And, and you know, that's something that is, at this point, I feel like it's very refreshing. I feel like given the, the fourth quarter comebacks that we've become accustomed to, uh, a complete game here is refreshing, and a complete game is exactly what will be needed next. Uh, this coming Saturday, as the uh, as UCO travels to Northwest Missouri State. Now, we recall I mentioned this in great detail. Um, that they pulled the upset last year at home. That was also a complete game. Uh, we need another complete game. Now we go on the road. Uh, to Northwest Missouri State, who was 3-0 on the season, coming off of a 66-34 win over Missouri Southern. Now, again, Missouri Southern is an improved ball club. Okay, I, I feel like I'm going to say this every week because it seems like whoever UCO was playing, they played the week before. Again, put up 21 points in the first half. Missouri Southern last year sometimes couldn't even score that in a whole game. So they're making improvements under Jeff Sims. Uh, again, I, I I just want to put that out out there. So just for comparison's sake. Um, now they now if we're looking here, 
Uh, Northwest Missouri State <clears throat> did four six interceptions. Now, when I tell you how many pass attempts, it'll make a lot more sense. But just looking at the stats here, uh, Missouri Southern actually had more first downs. Now, it was only by, by one, 26-25, but they still had more first downs. Now, what happened with cost them here is that the Northern Missouri State held Missouri Southern to just 16 yards on 20 carries for uh, 0.8 yards per carry. Well, they had 274 on the ground at five and a half yards per carry. And then passing, uh, Northwood, I mean, Missouri Southern had 442 yards on 66 attempts. So I figure you throw 66 times, you're gonna probably have some picks. Um, so at that point, it's not all that surprising. Uh, Northwest Missouri State passing the ball had 359. Uh, one interception and four touchdowns and outgained Missouri Southern 633 to 458 despite having one less play. Uh, and then if we're looking here, time, time, time possession, they won 34 minutes to 25 minutes. It was 7 of 17 on third down. Missouri Southern was 2 of 14 on third down. Missouri Southern also won a three on fourth and three of five in the red zone. Uh, and oh, one on field goals. Now, I did notice here that um, Northwest Missouri State was one of three on field goals. Now, Missouri Southern, I mean, Lincoln missed a field goal last, uh, last week. Kearney missed two field goals. Now, again, it's not like he's missed this year. From Kearney and Lincoln were just because the man missed. There was there was pressure. There was pressure again. Had to give coordinator Tyler Holland a lot of credit here again. We saw the block punt. I feel like this is an area in special teams where they played this season where I feel like UCLA has a chance to make some things happen for themselves here. Uh, if they can get back there again if the defense can force a stop and they force a full goal attempt at that the pressure has gotten to guys. I feel like they can definitely do it again. Um, and then in the punting situation here, you know, again, I, I, mean, I mean, Peyton Scott came off the edge clean. Now I can think there'll be better better blocking, uh, but still, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by what I am seeing. Now, if we're looking here at players to watch, um, they are led offensively by quarterback Braden White, um, a 6'2", sophomore who was the MIAA freshman of the year last season. So he was a quality quarterback. He was 18-33 for 289 and three touchdowns to one interception. Um, now, right now, the running game, the running game, I was not aware that they had a legitimate D1 transfer and running back, Justin Rankin. Justin Rankin is a guy I remember vividly uh, during his three years at Kent State, a Mac school in Kent, Ohio. I uh, actually saw regular, regular playing time there because uh, last season the 500, I mean the 5'10", 210 pound back had 574 yards and four touchdowns. Um, 
he split the ball, split playing time with Joel Shaw. Uh, Joel Shaw is an absolute beast. I don't know if you've seen Kent State play. Uh, but in any case, he's now a Bearcat. And last week had 20 carries for a buck 50 and one touchdown. Also had four catches for 58 yards. Now the other running back they have is also a big-sized man in Mike Honesy, a redshirt freshman, 6'2", 210, uh, has 67 carries for one touchdown. So the ground game, uh, so the, the ground game again here um, is looking good. I mean, you got two 210-pound backs. I, I've seen Rankin play before. Rankin is a real legitimate talent. And again, even though uh, there has been improvements in the one defense the past two weeks, and they held Lincoln to 175 on the ground, uh, there's still there's still there's still concern there, um, because it, it's just I'm not concerned so much about the linebackers. Uh, I think that the linebackers have probably been. I would say the most consistent part of the defense, you know, the, the uh, secondary, I, I, I mentioned a lot about O'Shea and uh, Jakari Hunt, but I have mentioned before the struggles of Kobe Underwood at this point and some of Daniel Bauman. So to me, the most complete uh, unit on the defense, at least in my opinion, what I've seen is the linebacker court. That being said, the defensive front at times, at times, is solid in the run defense and then at times is not so they're going to need a complete effort there um again the first quarter was kind of the same thing uh once the defensive line tightened themselves up there and the run defense really came uh came together and that's when you saw a lot of three and outs a lot of quick drives being ended because the penetration was there the penetration will need to be there from start to finish on Saturday, then out wide, uh, they have they have junior wide receiver Amani Donadell, 5'11 and 185, has six catches for 160 and two touchdowns. He seems to be the the uh, main man there. So again, the key I feel like here, um, even though they have one of the best quarterbacks in the conference is still the run game because you, you can you can make a team one-dimensional you can win um there is a reason why Missouri Southern had, had six picks because they you know average 0.8 yards carry so you're forcing so, so you so you then you can you know if you make a team one-dimensional you can usually can win the game so it's a mean you show can I want to say force in the pass uh, I have confidence though in the secondary. I have confidence in O'Shea. I have confidence in Jakari. I have confidence in Colby to come up with a big play again. I mentioned it last week. I'll say it again. I'm getting some Zach Sanchez vibes. Not the worst thing. Zach Sanchez did play in the NFL. Zach Sanchez was an orbital corner. Zach Sanchez had several game-winning interceptions. Uh, so I would I, I would much rather that be the case. Uh, then them just running it again because not only when you're running it, uh, it, it are you are you chewing up clock, um, uh, but, but then at the same time here you're worn down the defense throughout four quarters. And I know UCL is deep, um, as you can see by by just the share my guys that played 
Nas week and just the regular rotations they have. Uh, they are a deep team, but uh, I, I can see the defensive line take what they did the last three quarters against Lincoln and, and do it for four quarters on Saturday. Now, defensively for the Bearcats here, they are led by MIAA Defensive Player of the Week, defensive back Jarrell Green, 5'10", 170, who actually made his first career start against UCL last year. Uh, he had two picks against Missouri Southern. Um, another man that had a pick was DB Drew Dostal, 6'1", 196. He had one interception and seven tackles. And then the safety, Blake Bayer, 6'186", had nine tackles. So the secondary uh, for the Bearcats is very good. I felt we came on here last year and said the same thing and tell Chandler Garrett to carve them up uh, like a Halloween pumpkin. Now, hopefully, hopefully, whether it be, it be Will Collins back there or Keats back there, hopefully the same thing will happen. I think, again, when you're forced to throw the ball 66 times, that definitely has to play a factor into that. Now, I know UCO should be able to get the ground game going, TJ Roberts, I think for the second straight week here, was close to 100 yards. Uh, he finished with 96 last week on six yards of carry. Um, so, you know, if, if we can get TJ going, who was an absolute beast again, I think that will definitely open things up. I think as long as we can maintain the balance, that has been the case this season so far uh, on the offensive coordinator, um, on the offensive coordinator, Christian Hood, I think we should be able to kind of keep them guessing. I think that was the big thing last year. You really watched that game. Missouri Southern did not know what was coming uh, because they were able to come out and establish the passing game. I felt like that would be a question of winning to it because Chandler Garrett, uh, when he came in against uh, Lindenwood, was 4-11, I think, for like a buck. 05 and two touchdowns on the pick or something like that. Uh, so it was it was not the most promising of stat lines heading into that game, and then to see him come out there and pass the way he did, uh, I think really helped the offense maintain some balance. I feel like do the same thing again could have some success, and then finally on the defensive line they have senior Spencer Phillips 270 who had two tackles, tackles for loss. Uh, so, again, I, I, this, is a, this is a wonderful game. I'm convinced that UCO, any time they play a complete game, they they have a, chance, they have a good chance of winning, of winning games. We see what happens when they play a half. Uh, we see, you know, against Pitt State, they done a 27-point hole, came back and nearly won that game. Uh, you know, against Kearney, they fell down by 10. They came back and won that game. Um, I feel like if they're able to, to, to do what they can do in two quarters, or uh, nearly overcome four-score deficits, uh, if you go back to that bowl game, scoring 28 points in that fourth quarter, uh, this is a team here capable of explosive players, capable of making players on, on, on offense, defense, and special teams. To me, the key is, if we take the full court performance we had against Lincoln and we do it next week 
and we do it against Fort Hayes, and we do it against Missouri, and we do it for the rest of the, of the season here, uh, this could be a very special season because this is a very solid ball club. Uh, again, I, the, the, talent, the talent is there. Talent is there. There's no question. Talent is there. If you were there Saturday, you saw just from the talent on down. I mentioned Samuel Dale. Samuel Dale is a quality running back, but because of the, because of the, of the talent ahead of him, you know he's kind of pushed out of that truck. And we have Tucker Pauly here with an all-state guy out of Bigsby. I'm sure could be playing for a lot of other teams for down the conference. And, and he's down there too. So there's just there's a lot of talent. And I feel like if we can get four quarters of consistent play, this could be a win. And this this would be a huge win. Because right now, if we're looking at the conference standings, you show us sitting right now at fourth and two and one. They're asking who is ahead. There's 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 Little Missouri, uh, Northwest Missouri, and Pitt State all at three and zero. So I mentioned before, I feel like we that you show either needs to win all three against those teams or to only lose one. Now we lost to Pitt. If we beat Northwest Missouri State, they're looking good. Then then we're we're looking good because right now. Kearney, who is at fifth, also is 2-1 on the season. That we had the tiebreaker currently over Kearney. Uh, so a win here is huge. A, a win here is huge. Now, you might be asking to yourself, well, John, where is Fort Hayes State? Fort Hayes State right now is surprisingly at seventh. Now, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, they were uh, the NYAA showcase game, which is what this, this game is. For UCLA and Missouri Southern, I was told by Chris Brannick that um, it, it might be airing on the Cox Channel. If not, it'll definitely be airing on the NCAA's Facebook and Twitter pages as well as the MIAA network. But I, I am thinking it should be airing regionally. And so I think he was telling me up to 12 stage could could be seeing this game, which is, which is huge. Um, because I saw the replay when Fort Hayes and Central Missouri was the MIAA showcase game. Uh, and that was on, surprisingly, the Louisiana Cox channel. Um, but I want to think here, you show should be on, uh, was it 703 for Cox? Um, but but, uh, it, but in, 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 in any case, I mentioned in Fort Hayes was number 11, that they were upset. Uh, that they were a physical ball club, but is beatable, and that that is definitely the case because they proceeded to lose the following week to uh, to Missouri Western, who was one and two on the season, twenty eight to seventeen in their home opener, and then took a one and two Washburn team to overtime Saturday to get a three point win. So Fort Hayes is looking really beatable right now, uh, which is which is good news because Fort Hayes uh, was among one of the better teams in the conference last season. Again, I mentioned before, the quarterback does not scare me. Uh, the running game behind that 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 line to me was the strong point. I feel like you can kind of shut that down. You can beat them. As a matter of fact, right now, even Emporia State. Who has who have given UCL two classics the past two years? Also, 
one and two on the season here. They uh they they lost the last two. Um, they're 47 to 23 drubbing to Pitt State and a 10 point loss to Kearney last week. So, you know, those, those were about those were two teams that we, we were thinking, you know, would be at the top. Now, it's still early, but you know, if, if they lose another game here, I'm looking at it, there are currently four teams. And one, no, no, five teams at one and two. You have Emporia, Fort Hayes, Missouri Southern, who's not last. So again, they are improving. Uh, Missouri West, Missouri Western, and Wasburg. Now Wasburg, not sure what they have a plan. I know that I know that they lost a defensive back that's now with New York Giants, and then Lincoln and Northeastern State are both 0 and 3 at the bottom of the conference. So we're looking here. I mean, it's setting up nicely right now. It is setting because if if Fort Hayes, I know it's three games in, but if Fort Hayes is looking suspect and Emporia is looking suspect, this is boding well because a win against Northwest Missouri State right now puts you in the top three. Now we have been saying. You need to be in the top three range. I want to be obviously want to really win the whole thing. But if you can get in that top three, have a chance for an at-large bid. Right now, it's looking really possible. But right now, we're not really playing to win this catch-up. Right now, right now we are. We, there's still the season is in their hands right now because we still play two of the top three teams in the in the in the, in the conference. Now, unfortunately for us, they're both road games. Central uh, Missouri is, vi- is a very good football team, a very good football team. Their quarterback is the real deal. Uh, they will be tough. They will be tough as a Midwest uh, Missouri Missouri State. But again, I feel like this team can do it. This team, again, I- I'm being a dead horse here, but if they can play a complete and total game, they can get this done. And if they leave Missouri Southern, I'm not Missouri Southern, uh, Northwest Missouri State, three and one, and we're looking here, they then would host Fort Hayes for homecoming. Again, what is appearing to be a very beatable Fort Hayes team at that. And you're sitting at four and one, entering what could perhaps at that point then end up being the game of the year against Central Missouri, you're looking very good. You're looking very good because by then you're at least at three, depending on what Pitt State and Central Missouri do in the next couple of weeks. So to me, you still is still in good shape. Despite, despite the disappointing start to Pitt State, uh, they can win Saturday. I, I, it's, it's looking promising. It's looking promising. Um, and, and you know, again, I, I'm I'm hoping this is the year. I'm hoping this is the year. I'm hoping that you know the improvements that we have seen in the past couple of weeks will will continue here. Um, that we continue to see growth on defense on the defensive line. I, I know they were, I know they have a lot of guys rotating. I know they have they have some some uh, new faces there. And in the in the secondary, I know O'Shea is now corner. 
Um, so there's some suffering there. And I think guys are now starting to kind of get a feel for it now. I mean, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, and, and so I think that's going to help too. I think offensively now, you know, the offensive line is getting there. Uh, the run blocking against Lincoln, I will say, was probably far the best all season. Now, again, it's Lincoln, but still, it was improved. Uh, I think now we know that it either, either Keats or Will Collins is back there, or Chandler Garrett, uh, is, you could still put up, put up a lot of points. We know that the receiving core is deep. Uh, we know the running backfield is deep. So to me, and we know that the, that the special teams uh, is solid. So to me here, I, I really think, unlike last year, we came on here and a one and two start and was saying, no, it's looking promising. I, it's looking promising. It's looking promising. I really feel like they can go in there and they can, they can, they can get a win, and they they return home for homecoming against Fort Hayes at three and one. I I I truly believe in my heart that is a very realistic possibility, and so I'm hoping that we come on here next week and we say, you know, we, we're looking at a three and one team that's controlling their own destiny right now, uh, as far as trying to get a top of the conference standing. So I'm 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 looking looking forward to seeing the outcome of that game. Uh, I think it should be a good one. Uh, again, I encourage you all to watch it. It should be a really good ball game. Uh, again, that if, if you still can can play four quarters, regardless of who they're playing, they'll be hard to beat. I, I'm convinced that the evidence is there. Uh, so you know I'm I'm looking forward to. Just to, to, to see, see what happened. I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing a third straight Bronco win. So, you know, it should be a good one. Um, it, it should be it should, it should be a good one again. Um, for those <clears throat> that made it to the Lincoln game, you know, you, you, you got to see a glimpse of the future. And the future is very, very, very bright. So, uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back next week again recapping the Missouri, the North Missouri State game uh, as well as previewing the Fort Hayes State game and giving another update on the MIAA standings. Uh, so until that time, my name is Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.